0: Chicago Bears. You know, Chicago Bears, that is their theme. Uh, And it's been, you know, they've been using it for years and it's really fun. Uh, Bruce has said to me, and he'll probably add that when he joins me, it's the best theme song in the league. And that kind of irks him because he's a Packers fan. But today we're going to talk to uh, someone who was the was one of the offensive tackles for the Chicago Bears. So this is going to be fun. His name is Paul Blair. But Paul, you know, grew up to be something different. Paul, now he heads this thing called Liberty Pastors, uh, where he is leading men who are pastors into engaging in the culture. So we're going to tell his story, uh, his private story, which is fun, and we're going to talk about the work that he's doing now, and you're going to hear from him. And it is so inspirational, you won't want to miss it. But first, I'd like to talk to you a minute um, about your heart. Have you ever placed your hand over your heart? How long has it been since you placed your hand over your heart? Now, you know, not to say the Pledge of Allegiance, but just to feel your heart. If you do that, just think, just feel it. It's pretty interesting how it, how it beats. And we know that that's kind of the essence of our life. Well, you know, it's the same for an unborn baby. When you hear that on the ultrasound, you hear that little heartbeat, you hear that little heartbeat, um, their heart begins to form at conception. And at just three weeks, it's all ready beating at five weeks a baby's heartbeat can be heard by an ultrasound and that's where pre-born steps in because they rescue 200 babies every day from abortion by simply providing a mother with a free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed baby in the womb by six weeks the eyes are forming and by 10 weeks a baby's able to suck his or her thumb Preborn needs your help to save these precious souls. And it's not just the babies, it's also the mothers, because preborn really does give them the reasons why life is sacred. They talk about Jesus, about redemption, about the sacredness of life. And so if you would like to help, you just go to. Preborn.com slash Sandy. That's Preborn.com slash Sandy, and make your most generous donation. Well, if I didn't say it already, this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. I always forget that. Uh, You can call us, by the way, at 662-821-2040. You can email us at sandy at afr.net, afr.net. You can listen to the show very easily by going to Sandy rios.com but you can also go to our home base which is afr.net or you can go to any podcast platform if you're a facebooker go to sandy rios 24 7 we have revamped the page and it's ready and waiting for you so meanwhile all you sports fans sit back and relax And enjoy this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational.
1: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I
0: think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness
1: George Barna found that only 9% of professing Christians actually had a biblical worldview. So we go to church, but nothing else in our lives reflects the Lordship of Jesus. Pastors, we aren't obeying the Great Commission. We aren't making disciples because we aren't teaching our people to observe all things from a scriptural perspective. We call ourselves Christians, but we live our lives like, raise our families like, work like, and vote just like unbelievers. Liberty Pastors is a voluntary, cooperative network of pastors, a band of brothers who work together to engage the culture by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching their congregations a comprehensive biblical worldview and living lives that reflect
0: it. I have been an activist for 56 years and i just like to say I have never been to a more impactful meeting than, I, than this meeting
2: just leaving the Liberty uh, Pastors Boot Camp, and it was a wow. Touched my life, I'm looking excitedly forward to next
1: steps, may we make a difference and influence our culture for the King of Kings. I've been in ministry for 34 years. I will tell you that this event that we are, training, not an event, but a training that we were here yesterday, today, this is, I, I haven't been excited over anything this much in 25 years. I believe there are three types of pastors. There's the hireling, or pastoring is just a job. He's not going to engage because he's more concerned about being popular than standing for the truth. Then there's the fearful. He's not going to engage because he's afraid of upsetting his elders or his deacon board or his congregation. But then there's a third group who I believe are God-called ministers who want to engage the culture and transform it, but have never been taught how. We want you join us.
0: All right, Sandy Rios with you of Sandy Rios 24-7, and it's my absolute delight uh, to have traveled to see Paul Blair this morning preach in his partner church, Liberty Church, in Orlando, Florida, which is literally Altamont Springs. Uh, Paul is a pastor of another church in Edmond, Oklahoma, by the same name, but here's the thing. Uh, Several months ago, Bruce and I were at a conference, and we were sitting at a table Everybody else had people at their tables except for us, just the two of us, and we're saying, hmm, what did we do? And so here comes this really this really big guy with his beautiful wife, and they asked if they could sit with us, and they did, and then it just took off to the races because Paul Blair is a former Chicago Bear. We are Chicagoans, and the intersection of our lives was so funny that we laughed and shared. And Also, then it became uh, apparent to me that Paul... In his way, well, this is not important, but his view of how we should express our faith in this culture is the same as mine. And that is uh, preaching everything. What's happening? I believe pastors are not preparing their people. They're not interceding. And so they're preaching, yes, anything from Genesis to Revelation, but they're not getting into the things that our kids are grappling with their parents, are grappling with their unprepared, and that's why our culture is so tossed to and fro, okay? That's my statement. So Paul, <laughs> tell me how you would word it. I think what you do is preach what I say is the full gospel, yeah. meaning not just not just that there's only a just, but that the gospel is integrated into everything in life. What? How would you express that?
3: Well, most New Testament Christians don't realize that there are 39 books that make up the Old Testament of the Bible. And we all would answer that test question properly. If asked how many books of the Bible are there, we'd say 66. But rarely does a New Testament church pastor delve over into the Old Testament unless it's that twice a year sermon on tithing where they'll go to Malachi and talk about storehouses. So we reacquaint pastors with the idea that this is, now I know this is earth shaking, Jesus is the Lord of all of our lives. And sadly, Sandy. Well, first of all, let me give just a little bit of a background before I get into this. I grew up in a pastor's kid. I was a Bible. My father was a bivocational vocational pastor. Uh, Dad made his living. He was an intelligent man. Uh, World War II veteran. Volunteered for the Navy at the age of 16 after Pearl Harbor. Lied about his age and was serving in the South Pacific. You know, now we got kids that are 26 that are still living in their parents' basement. That's right, playing but video games. Th- back then, yeah. it was 16 and serving in the South Pacific. Uh, so, Dad was an architect by trade, but he he felt called to pastor small churches that really couldn't afford to have a full-time pastor. So I grew up, uh, after my early years, which were in large churches, from about seven or eight on, it was in churches of 35 to 70. But my father was an influential man. We had some some of the all-time greats come through and have dinner at our table, so I truly was discipled from an early age. And I love pastors because of that. I love my dad. I had great respect for the work. But I also saw how hard the work was, and it was something I didn't want any part of. So actually, I was retired from football. So you know, and I had my own business, and was married, had children. I was serving the Lord as a volunteer youth pastor in our church, and was quite content in life. And, and again, uh, I was I owned my own business. I was a retired football player, so I, I didn't need the money or need the need the job, but uh, uh, I, I knew at the age of 37 that I was being called into ministry, and I, and I think that's how. God does it. I think one of the problems we have in America is we have too many vocational pastors that preach for a living. Well, it needs to be a calling first and foremost. I'm all for paying the pastor, but it needs to be a calling. And we got too many men that are just doing a job rather than fulfilling God's call in their lives. And I took comfort early on because I did not want to be a pastor. And uh, I let the Lord know that. What was funny is my wife was in agreement. She did not want to be a pastor's wife. We were in agreement on that. So, <laughs> But uh, she also was wise enough to say, you know, honey, if, if this is the Lord's will, if this is God's calling, then we need to be in it.
0: What a great foundation. I oh. just have to say, what a great foundation for, start. whether than her yes. not wanting to and you wanting to, just like, that's a gift from God, too, oh. that you're of same mind on it. Like okay, journey together. 35 years
3: <laughs> married together. So we, we truly have been... Life mates and will be, yeah. but uh, as I have been in ministry, I have discovered that we pastors have been taught a gnostic view of Christianity, and as I've gone back and studied this in depth historically, you know when the when the church. originated at Pentecost, it was 100% Jewish. You know, Jesus was a Jew, the disciples were all Jewish. Then you have the revival in Samaria in Acts chapter seven, you have uh, Cornelius' salvation in Acts chapter 10, and we see that it expanded out to the church was Jew and Gentile. But after the end of the first century when the Jewish um, apostles died off, then from that point on, the church became more and more Greek in its thinking. And the reason that makes a difference to us is the Greek line of thought divided life into the material world, which was wicked and irredeemable, we didn't need to spend any time on it, or the spiritual world, which is all that mattered. Well, that was not how the Hebrews approached things. The Hebrews said, hey, God created both the body and the spirit, God created everything. So we're to glorify God in all that we do as the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, glorify God in all that you do. Uh, And Paul said again, "You know, we're to glorify God in your body the material world, and in your spirit, the spiritual world, because it all belongs to God. So that was the foundation of Christianity. You know, Christians Christianity was birthed out of a, a Jewish parent. I mean, in fact, for the first, really, up until the destruction of the temple, the Romans considered the, the Nazarenes or the Way as just another sect of Judaism. So we had a Jewish history. It's a Jewish book written by Jewish authors about the Jewish Messiah, who also happens to be the God of all creation and the savior of the world. So we teach pastors on opening night of our what we call Liberty Pastor Boot Camps, which we have our last one of the year coming up here in November. But on opening night, we asked pastors, what part of your life is Jesus not the Lord over? Make a list in those areas you shouldn't preach about in church. But the irony is, as we all know, that Jesus is supposed to be the Lord of all of our lives, not just of Sunday mornings. So when pastors stop and think about it for a little bit, and then we go through and show chapter and verse, then delve into the history and see why it is we have been conned to thinking this way, it's wonderful on opening night, we see light bulbs coming on all around the room as these pastors get it, because they all feel it in their bones. They know that they need to be doing something. They just don't know what to do or how how to do to do it. And they've been taught in seminary not to. Don't get involved in political things. Oh, don't talk about economics. And and that the box of things that we're not supposed to talk about is getting larger and larger and larger. Don't talk about abortion. That's political. Don't talk about uh, transgenderism. Oh, that's political. No, it's not. Everything's biblical.
0: Well, Paul said, as you know, in him it's in him that we live and move mm-hmm. and have our being. Everything. Right. But but here's the thing, Paul. I remember growing up, uh, the church. My folks became Christians later, so the church at that time, meaning universal in an American church was not talking about anything that was happening in the world. That's the way I grew up. They weren't saying anything about it. That changed in the 80s when Ronald Reagan, well, before the 80s, actually, leading up to it. And then we established, we, uh, the moral majority, uh, and they got involved. And look, I have opinion about that, but I don't want to take up our time discussing that. Uh, So the moral majority then sort of uh, crashed and burned. And then new pastors, like I think the Russell Moores Mm -hmm. of the Southern Baptist Mm -hmm. Convention, went on this like rampage, and I'd say rampage, to tell young pastors that Christians discredited the gospel by getting involved in politics. And so we swung the other way, and I see what I experienced growing up was the church was just dead. You couldn't stir Mm -hmm. it with a stick. Mm -hmm. And now we're moving back that way because without this understanding of how Jesus' teaching— applies to the things we face the church just becomes irrelevant i don't know if you would agree with that
3: absolutely and and think about it. here in america we have been able to enjoy the blessings of liberty without having to recognize why we have them where they came from biblically or fight for them because they were just given to us i promise you you go back to 1776 and the pastors of that day did talk about proper and improper civil government from a biblical perspective. And it was the pastors. History knows them as the Black Robe Regiment. And if without the pastors, we never would have had Lexington and Concord. We never would have had the War for Independence. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for pastors. You know, think about the influence of Martin Luther. Now, I'm not reformed in my theology, but Martin Luther, had to take a stand that could have cost him his life. And look at what a difference that made on the world. You know, John Calvin had to take a stand. The early fathers of Christianity, you know, that first generation. You know, when, when Peter was using the metaphor, uh, having being tried so as by fire, or, or Satan goes about like a roaring lion, he, the reason he chose that metaphor is because brothers and sisters in Christ were being slaughtered at that time in the fires and being fed to lions. So there was a time where we knew that Christianity or our faith affected every area of life because your faith could even cost you your life and family. But we teach pastors a biblical worldview. And quite frankly, Russell Moore couldn't find the Old Testament unless he had an index. It's
0: like Andy Stanley. And,
3: and Andy Stanley couldn't find you know, that is such You know, Jesus didn't just show up in a vacuum. Without the Old Testament, Jesus has nothing to stand on. He fulfilled 456 Old Testament prophecies proving that he was the Messiah in his first coming. So you take away the Old Testament, we don't have Christianity. And quite frankly, if these guys can't lead somebody to faith in Christ in the Old Testament, then they have no business being in the pulpit. Because recognize the only Bible that the New Testament church had for two decades was what we call the Old Testament or the Tanakh. The only Bible that Jesus used of to teach the disciples of himself how it all points to him was the Old Testament Called the Tanakh, the only Bible that the Apostle Paul used when he was debating with Jews in synagogues around Asia and and in Europe was the Old Testament or the Tanakh. So these guys, quite frankly, most of them couldn't find their their their. Well, I'm, I was, I've got to be careful. Anyway, so, <laughs> it's almost uh, time for I'll, I'll, church. I'll, I'll, so I'll be stop, careful. There, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop by right that. But we teach pastors to think biblically, and quite frankly, yep. the Bible deals. You know, the Solomon said, "There's nothing new under the sun." There isn't. I mean, you look at every issue we have today, and it's dealt with in Scripture. And we teach pastors, here's, here's the simple truth of what a basic biblical worldview is. You understand that God created or established four realms of government. There's self-government, which is all that Adam had when he was in the garden. Adam, there's one responsibility, don't eat of this tree. That's all the only government that was. Then there was family government. Adam and Eve came together. Then we have church government. And then we have civil government. And a biblical worldview is putting into the proper category each issue's area of responsibility. So, for example, uh, when it comes to whether you follow Christ or not, well, that's self-government. I can't make that decision for Sandy Rios. Sandy Rios can't make that decision for me. I have to make it for myself. You have to make it for yourself. Another example, uh, whether you think wearing a diaper over your face during a make-believe or a, a largely hyped-up uh, uh, flu season uh, as, as effective or not, that's self-government. If you think that that's gonna help protect your body, then by all means, wear 10 of them, I don't care. But that's not the civil government's responsibility to mandate masking across the population, that's the individual. The civil government has no more right to mandate masks than they have to mandate everybody to take vitamin C. I mean, that's that's self-government. Um, One other issue that's really relevant is education. When you look at what the scripture says, who did God charge with raising the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Moms and dads. So that falls under family government. So basic biblical worldview is recognize that God created these four realms and then putting into the proper category of authority each issue. And you'll find that when family government, or excuse me, self-government is strong, we have a moral and religious people. Families are strong. We have moms and dads in the home raising their own children. Churches are strong, standing up against, against sin and, and preaching the truth and pointing people to Jesus. Then you have a lot of moral and religious people, as George Washington said in his farewell address, as John Adams said in, in a letter during his presidency, our Constitution is made only for a moral and religious people. Then you don't have much need of civil government. And the purpose of the civil governing authority is to punish the evildoers and protect the good that we may live peaceably in all godliness. All
0: right. I'm going to pick up with that in just a second because I want to talk. There's so many things you could, we could talk about, Paul. Uh, I want to talk to you about your health care because Christian Health Care Ministries is making it possible for us to have this discussion. And I'm very grateful to them. And I'm really happy that they po- provide such great service for people like you. You know, when you're running 100 miles an hour and then get hit with a health crisis, you have no idea what your future holds. Well, Dean and Kim had been married for over 20 years, and when tragedy struck, their family was devastated. They immediately took Dean to the doctor and sought treatment. Christian Healthcare Ministries was there for them and shared all $85,000 of their eligible medical cost. Dean's life was spared, and he's back in action and has peace of mind knowing that his family was not burdened with unbearable medical bills. If you would like to check out Christian Health Care Ministries, it's, uh, you know what it is. Uh, you pu- pool your resources, and it's a different way of providing health care. Uh, providing you know the money to pay for your health care, go to chministries.org, that's chministries.org slash Sandy, and check out their prices, what they offer, the levels they have, and see if you can get even better coverage than you have right now. That's chministries.org slash Sandy.
1: This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio.
0: I would love to just pick your brain for hours. I would really enjoy it. Bruce and I love listening to your sermons online, by the way. Especially, I just commend to people your sermon on manhood. uh, It was like Father's Day? Yeah. Oh, oh, it was just amazing. And uh, you have the qualifications to speak about what it means to be a real man. But I want to talk about your conference. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about how people could, what will they get, who who should come, and when is it? And then I want to come back to Israel.
3: okay? Okay. Well, we have, I have a good friend here in the state of Florida named Art Alley. Art is the founder of a Christian-based, or it's, it's, uh, it's you are able to invest your money in stocks that don't endorse or fund evil enterprises. So if you wanna have clean, morally clean, uh, get a great return on your money while not investing in the abortion industry or the transgender industry or anything, then Timothy Partners oversees a family of mutual funds called Timothy Plan. So I, would, I thank Timothy Partners for being a, for for allowing us, if our church Timothy Partner picks up about ninety percent of our overhead, wow. our church picks up about ten percent as as a missions expense, and that's why we're able to. We do three day conferences. We try to hit a hundred pastors at a time, and we want them to get away from their office because we want their undivided attention. We want to give them a thank you for being in ministry and have a second honeymoon with their wives. So usually we'll put them up at a resort. That's uh, that's that you know a lot of these pastors. You know, pastor churches from 75 people to 150 uh, members. And they couldn't afford to stay at a at a Gaylord Grapevine or a Gaylord Palm or, or some of these n- nicer hotels. So it's a reward for them. But because of Timothy, we're able to heavily subsidize a three-night, three-day, three-night, actually four-day, three-night, uh, second honeymoon. And it cost pastors $99.00 because they have to have a little skin in the game, have to have a little something invested. But it's about a $1,500 three-day trip, so Gosh. heavily, heavily subsidized. Three nights, six meals, including our opening night dinner. And in return for this second honeymoon, we give them the evenings off, and they have plenty of free time to, to enjoy the, the uh, second honeymoon, enjoy the facilities and the community. But we ask for 20 hours of their time for continuing education. And we have had some remarkable transformations. We, we, we start off with that message about the compartmentalization of Christianity. In what areas of life is Jesus really not Lord over? And we so we break the ice with there we knock down that defense so that we oh we can't talk about this no we can talk about everything from the pulpit and we should be talking about everything from a biblical perspective. Then we do a presentation on opening night. <clears throat> My good friend Dan Fisher does in costume. In fact, he wrote a book on the pastors of the of the War for Independence, and he does it in period costume. The black, robe, black Re- robe regiment. You're talking the about? black okay. robe regiment. Yeah, he does a <laughs> presentation that motivates them to action. Then they they have a chance to actually hold muskets that were carried at Lexington and Concord that were carried at the Battle of Trenton. I mean, pieces of our history. So and then they go get a good night's rest and then they start the next morning and we have class. Fifty minutes of class, ten minutes of break, fifty minutes of class, ten minutes of break. We start with biblical principles of civil government. Chapter and verse why America is different than all other forms of government. And we see the great faith that went back to our pilgrims and the Puritan migration from which we have this exception to the rule. Rather than, rather than subjects being ruled by a sovereign, in America we have citizens that have public servants and we uh, constitute our own limited government. So the, the authority to, to govern comes from us and they're accountable to us. You, no, other, no other system in world history except Israel. Israel's original government for the first 400 years was supposed to be a republic. So we teach them about that. Then we teach them about 501c3. We delve into Romans 13 and the resistance that we talk about this. We're supposed to have unlimited submission to civil government. That's just nonsense. You know, a child biblically is supposed to obey his mom and dad. But if dad is a pervert and wants to molest his son, then his son should not submit to his father's perverse government he should submit as it is in the Lord. The same thing is true with a pastor in a congregation or with the civil government. You know, the Hebrew midwives disobeyed uh, Egypt when they were commanded to destroy the male babies. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego defied Nebuchadnezzar to his face. And they, he was the emperor, the sovereign of all lands. So anyway, we teach that. We teach about 501c3. We teach about separation of church and state. So uh, you,
0: you override the traditional absolutely. and wrong wrong thinking, absolutely. really, about what it means. So who, who would come to this? I mean, any, any pastor, pastor any, from we, any denomination?
3: Any denomination. Primarily, we were looking at senior pastors primarily, but we also will welcome associate pastors because some of these associates will one day be senior pastors but primarily we're looking at senior pastors and what we teach them to do is we are called to make disciples not church members and we're supposed to disciple them to obey all things whatsoever i've commanded you even unto the end of the age most of these pastors have never even been taught the all things matter of fact our friend george barna recently did a study only six percent of americans have a biblical worldview Well, he did a study on pastors where he actually gave them a physical test to take, and only 37% of pastors have a biblical worldview. How can you expect to disciple your people when the pastors don't have a biblical worldview? So we teach pastors, we equip them, we give them notebooks with everything that we talk about so they actually have a textbook of sermons that they can go home and preach or study or develop their own materials. Every PowerPoint slide we present, they have access to. Every video we present, they have access to. Experts like former Congressman Bob McEwen talk about economics and freedom from a biblical perspective and why we've been different. Uh, we have Kevin Freeman talking about some of the answers to the great Economic reset. Economic war room, Kevin Econom- Freeman. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have Alex Newman talking about the great reset. We have America's frontline doctors. Uh, we deal with critical race theory. We deal with climate garbage. This is the next shoe that's going to fall. We just got through COVID and now we're going to have climate non-stop it's an existential threat
0: let okay. me ask you something okay. you know i always say i've always said i've said this for years since i started on radio because i really do think god laid it on my heart uh, to develop a show i don't even go to develop a show that was not christianese uh and not a show just for christians i mean i was really intent on that in fact in my first stint in chicago we did secular music uh, we made sure the lyrics were fine and I would talk about what's happening in the world, politics, I had people, I had a guy listening, he was doing surveillance in a massage parlor who called in, I had all (laughs) kinds of people listening, but I never denied my faith or did not speak about Jesus. I did it in the natural way I would do it with anyone Mm -hmm. in conversation. And so I always said, you know, the law is the teacher, as Paul said, leading men to God. In other words, when you present God's truth, no, matter even if you're not giving John 3:16 in that moment, it's leading men to God. So sure. my, my question for you is does that do that with pastors? I mean when they actually kind of make a connection that it's it is the application of all they spent their life studying giving it an application do you see them coming alive
3: oh absolutely we, we have remarkable stories from from Idaho and the state of Washington to Florida and all points in between one for example a pastor down here in Florida named Jack Hilligoss from Lake Wells Florida Jack came to a camp that we held in Fort Smith Arkansas, no, in Little Rock Arkansas and Jack went back home decided to run for mayor now he's still pastoring his church but he ran for mayor of Lake Wells and he won And his first official act was, rather than celebrating LGBT Pride Month, he stood with Governor Ron DeSantis and celebrated Strong Families and Fatherhood Month. And he caught, forgive my French, hell for it. I mean, they just unloaded on him, but he stood strong. After a year, he has, as mayor, been able to make all sorts of appointments. The whole makeup of the city has been transformed. And in their county, They now had seven cities in their county that stood with Jack this last June and refused to celebrate LGBT depravity month. So he is making a huge difference. The momentum is growing. And that is just one thrilling that is just one example.
0: All right, so practically speaking, how can people find out? What pastors because pastors listen. And so, how can they uh, make connection?
3: Go to libertypastors.com or libertypastors.org. We have both domain names, and you'll find information. Our next camp, all of this stuff is available online. So if you can't make the trip, then you know we can share with you the resources where you can watch that in your in your office. But we would encourage them to come to Hershey, Pennsylvania. I mean, come load up on chocolate while you're there, and and, <laughs> and have a three-day. I'm coming. And, yeah, I'm coming. Have a three. We, you ought to come and broadcast there. Really. Have oh, that a, would be fun. Three day, Absolutely. We could just gorge on chocolate. <laughs> uh, but but a uh, three-day second honeymoon and come through the camp because it's an experience. Here's the thing. People think, oh, it's just another conference. This is not just another conference. Nobody has done what we're doing. Nobody is doing what we're doing. We're getting the, get the people out to vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a part of it. But this is transformative. And this is the main word we hear from pastors. They will come up to us afterwards and they will say, you have transformed my ministry.
0: I don't and doubt. You have removed
3: the scales from my
0: eyes. I do not doubt that. Your partner was Salt and Light Council, yep. Act for America, mm-hmm. my good friend Brigitte mm-hmm. Gabriel, <laughs> Liberty Council, Matt yep. Staver, mm-hmm. uh, pa- Patriot Academy, Rick and more. Ray. and more. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, 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 pa- Charlie Kirk. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even, yeah. I, that's yeah. not on here, but you did. Uh, I have a, uh, this, you have to give me an answer in like two minutes because okay. you have to go preach. Kay. Okay. Okay. I just, heard, I know you have to go preach. Oh, so well, Israel,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, there's a lot of confusion in the church regarding uh, what to do with Israel. Anyway, before this con, and before this conflict, and now that the conflict is here, how, what is God's view of how Christians should view Israel right now in this conflict?
3: Not sure I can do it in two minutes, but I don't care. They can't preach until I get there anyway. So I may be <laughs> okay. Uh, first of all, the early church understood a literal interpretation of Scripture. Up until the time of really um, uh, Augustine, did they apply a, a allegorical view of the end times? And they had to. And I understand. If I'm Augustine and it's 400 A.D. and there's no nation of Israel, and now the church is in good standing and the church is going to run the world, he's well. How do we how do we deal with all these Old Testament scriptures? Well, the Bible's very clear that Israel is going to be out of the land for a long time. God said in multiple books of prophecy, "I'm going to scatter you to the four corners of the earth." but in the last days, I'm gonna bring you back. You follow what Ezekiel says, in order. It's gonna bring them back, they're gonna be like a a, a army standing, yet there is no, that uses the Hebrew word ruach, no wind or spirit within them. That's where we're at now. After 2,000 years, by the way, there are no Edomites anymore, there are no Ammonites anymore, there are no Philistines anymore. All of those people groups, once they were conquered, they died off and lost their identity. Israel is a miracle because they have not had a homeland for 2,000 years, but because of their kosher laws and other things, they have stayed distinct and separate as a people. And after 2,000 years without having their homeland, they are now back in their land. And that's what the Bible says, their land, the hills of Judea, their land, the, the land that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they're without any spirit. They have the army, they, they are a mighty army, but they're without any spirit within them. You know, and the Bible talks about that in the last days there will be perilous times. Psalm 83 talks about a regional conflict. Quite frankly, I think that's where we're at right now. The, we have Israel dealing with the with the countries around them. I think this is gonna escalate into uh, thirty-eight uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 where Russia and, um, and Iran and Turkey come down and are soundly defeated. But then there will be a peace treaty that's implemented. It talks about Daniel 9:27. There will be this great peacemaker. Quite frankly, when I see the World Economic Forum and what they're doing, and I look at the 10 toes of the 10 kings of, of Daniel chapter 2. By the way, it uses the word uh, 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 malik, not uh, mamlaka. It, it uses the word for king, not kingdom. I think I, think I, I see a conspiracy of, of, of global mobsters, mob bosses. You got Xi Jinping, you got Vladimir Putin, you got Klaus Schwab, all these men sitting around a table trying to run the world. At the end of the day, they all want to be on top, so there's a little dissension between them. So they're going to put forward a front man that's their representative. A, will not say it's Barack Obama, but a Barack Obama-ish type of personality that can be a cult leader. And that's going to be the guy that orchestrates the peace treaty. We, we may be 50 years away from the rapture of the church, but I also say we could be Five minutes away from the Rapture of the Church, we see things that are coming together. But our command, the last command the Lord has given us, until He returns and gives us further orders, is to occupy until He comes. But your question: Israel belongs to uh, the land of Israel belongs to the Israelis. No such thing as a Palestinian. There never was. That was the Ottoman Turkish Empire for over a 1,000 years. It had been conquered land. There was no Lebanon. There was no There was no Palestine. There was no uh, Syria. It was all part of the Ottoman Turkish Empire. Then after World War I, things changed. These countries were set up. Israel was to belong to the Jewish people. So they've tried the two states to many, many times. It does not work. Hamas charter literally says they want to kill every Jew hiding behind every rock and tree. That's the goal. This is not about coexistence. It's not about a better two-state system.
0: All right. So, would you agree that, in spite of the fact that Israel is uh, without spirit, mm-hmm. uh, they're Jewish by blood. Yep. Yep. And some of them ha- uh, th- that we still support them.
3: I think this is God's end-time problem. Yes, I support Israel. Okay, that's Israel.
0: what I mean. Yep. Because yep. a lot of people feel like because they're not uh, following God that we shouldn't support them. But I agree with you, Paul. Mm-hmm. All right, well, listen. Okay, one last time. This yep. is LibertyPastors.com for, for the conference. Yes. And Paul has to go preach. Pastor Paul Blair, Liberty Church in
3: Edmond, Oklahoma. Church, Liberty Church, Orlando. And both. Little,
0: okay, all right, very good. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much. We didn't even get to talk about the Chicago Bears, but next time, okay? Next time. Next time, okay. okay. Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7.
3: You know, I heard it said recently that if we don't make men out of our boys— The world is working to make girls out of them, and that is absolutely true with what's going on in our culture, in our public ed system, in Netflix, everything's coming out of Hollywood. So it's imperative that we, as men of God, not only teach, but show our young men how to be men of God.
0: All right, this is Sandy Rios back with you of Sandy Rios 24-7. Now you have a good idea of why my husband and I love Paul Blair, and so do people across the country. And I'm going to bring Bruce in in just a second because we're going to talk about him just in a personal way, and I, I hope you'll enjoy it. We'll give you more information about his background. But first, I want to remind you, if you're a pastor or if you have a, a pastor friend, your own pastor, a son, a brother, whatever, this uh, event at Hershey. Uh, Pennsylvania, at libertypastors.org. That's where you can find out more about it, libertypastor.org. You can go as a pastor and bring your wife, and it's all of your food, your lodging, and this event for $99. That's right, $99. I mean, that is just amazing. That's how uh, serious and intent uh, Paul is about reaching pastors. Whatever your age, whatever your denomination, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you want to go and, you know, you'll benefit from, there'll be lots of people there teaching you. It, be, it will be Paul, yes, but lots of other notable persons as well. So uh, go to libertypastors.org. And you can find out more about the stuff that they do, the stuff. I'm, radio people are not supposed to say stuff, but the wonderful things they accomplish. That's what I should be saying. All right, sweetheart, thanks for joining me. i uh, Mr. Not a Chicago Bear fan. <laughs> no, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> you want to confess right. right here and now? I am
2: a Green Bay Packer fan, which is talk about oil and water between them and the Chicago Bears. But I have to tell you, Paul Blair, even though he's a Chicago Bear or was, has really won me over.
0: To Uh, the Chicago Bears?
2: No, never to them, (laughs) to himself. I didn't think so. I just thought i was
0: kind of sort that out.
2: (laughs) No, he is amazing. Um, You can just feel it as soon as you meet him, what a strong man of God he is, and and, uh, his wife is wonderful. They make an incredible couple together. Um, They are probably a perfect example of what it is to be a team and to serve the Lord.
0: Yeah, uh, Cindy is quiet. Uh, but she's just as uh, committed, you know. They are together, committed to this work, and it, you know, you don't. That doesn't happen sometimes. Pastors or people in ministry don't always have partners who are all in or share the same passion. But boy, with Cindy, she does, and she. I'm sure she probably holds his feet to the fire. She's probably the one person on the planet that, besides his dad, who's probably no longer living. But um, Bruce, we met them in such a fun way, didn't we?
2: We did. We were down in Miami at a conference, and there was a break, and they had box lunches for people, and they had an outdoor patio, and they had all these large round tables that sat, say, 10 to 12 people, and almost every table was full except ours. <laughs> ours was just the two of us, and people were walking past us to go to other tables, and you know, I have to admit, I was smelling my breath or whatever. <laughs> I, I figured, what are we doing wrong? all of a sudden this very large man and his wife come up and go, would you mind if we joined you? And we said, no, that'd be great. Well, of course, that was Paul Blair and Cindy. And we sat and we started talking and we found out all the connections we had between Chicago and people that Sandy and him knew. And it was just like, it, within 10 minutes, it was like having an old friend.
0: Yeah. We laughed and laughed. And of course, you sh- you may not like the Bears, but you were an FBI agent in Chicago. Plus, you grew up in Chicago. So you had you knew all the players. You guys, it was fun. We laughed and laughed. It was a real gift to uh-huh. us.
2: One of my uh, neighbors that probably grew up 300 yards from me was quarterback for part of the time when Paul was on the team, Run uh, Mike Tomczak. And so it's it just the connections are just amazing. Well,
0: you know what? I sometime I want to interview Paul about his uh his what, you know, what he actually did in football. Can you just kind of give us an idea?
2: Well, uh, he was an amazing high school player and he was recruited by all kinds of schools and he ended, ended up going to Oklahoma State University. Now that was where Jimmy Johnson, who the the famous or infamous, whatever you want to say coach <laughs> uh, of the Dallas Cowboys later in the NFL and then the uh, Miami Dolphins he was the coach of Oklahoma State and we've seen a picture of Paul standing alongside um, coach Johnson and I have to tell you even coming out of high school Paul was a monster. I mean, he, he was. He had one of those dude. legendary
0: bodies, you know, where he said <laughs> yeah. he's all shoulders yeah. and then he goes down. You, you he's talk just about a kid, guy
2: shaped like a V. <laughs> That—that's Paul Blair. And uh, and so then he, you know, he went to Oklahoma State. He became an All American. He was drafted by the Chicago Bears the year after they won the Super Bowl in '85. But he was there through their post Super Bowl years, which were really good years. Um, they didn't make it again to the Super Bowl, but they did very well. And he did a he did a great job for the Bears.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, so it's just fun. And he had a, an injury, which I think took him out. But uh, then God really called him. I think he said this in our interview. Uh, God really called him into the ministry. And at some point, we will. I promise you, we'll have a longer conversation with Paul and let him tell the story himself. But um well, of course, we could not have these discussions without preborn, and um, I talk to you about it every day. But there's something that I don't often say, and that is, if you're a business owner, you might be able to consider a larger donation for a write-off, because we know governments doing the opposite of saving babies—they're pouring money into Planned Parenthood to take babies' lives, and so plan, uh, you know—these uh, preborn does not have government money. So I hope that's motivating. Not every one of you can do this. But a donation of $1,000 or 2000 or 20000 would go—you Would you can imagine what an impact. You know these not-for-profits, Christian non-for-profits, uh, who have character and pre-born does have character, uh, spend that money well. It goes really far. It's amazing to see what these organizations, these little ones, can do with the bit of money they have. And when you compare it to the left and all of their organizations that you and I are fighting, they have billions— unlimited resources. All right. Well, if you can give a generous donation like that, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And if you're like me and you, uh, you know, you give your, what you can give, uh, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. And that's great. You know, God doesn't care about that. He just wants you to give generously. Um, and so And so do that if you can. Well, anyway, that just gives you a little insight. Uh, You can see that we're fans. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We're just fans. But look, it's respect. It's tremendous respect. I felt like we were kindred spirits when he started talking about the importance of uh, talking about what's going on in the world and as a pastor, uh, folding that in.
2: And you know what I think is very important is we've met several younger people that are pastors lately. And I have to tell you, we're, we're concerned about where a lot of these young pastors are headed. They are being taught to stay away from controversy, to stay away from current events, to stay away from politics. And I think that is hurting the church. You wonder why all this stuff has exploded, all these bad things in our culture? Well, I would say the main reason, in addition to the leaders of our country or non-leaders, is the church. The church has cowered. We have gotten soft. We have gotten uh, afraid. And... um, that's the last thing that Paul Blair is, and that's why I, I, I'm not a pastor, but I, if I was, I'd be at this conference in a second.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I should say it's Libertypastor.org Libertypastor.org. and I want to add, I know you mean when they say, this is the excuse that churches and church leaders give, they say politics, but really, we're ta- I, as I've said for decades now, except now it's ever more obvious, and that is that it's not politics it's transgender surgeries it's abortion it's morality it's those are things that the you know the secular world is weighing in on and legislating and pastors have the audacity to call that politics and that's how reason they've stayed out so it can't happen anymore and that's paul is trying to change that and so am i and so if you go to and if you're a skeptic then for heaven's sake if you go to just liberty pastors.org. You can see what Paul says, uh, but if you want to really come and challenge him, come. It's ninety nine dollars, and it's uh, November fifth through the eighth at Hershey, Pennsylvania. We, by the way, who knows? We might show up. We just might do that. So, um, I think that's the. I think that's everything I wanted to share uh, with you today. I want to remind you, <laughs> this is Sandy Rios, twenty four seven. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you, and we are always honored that you take the time to listen. You can write us at Sandy at AFR.net, Sandy at AFR.net. You can go listen to the show on any podcast platform at AFR.net or at SandyRios.com, which I think is actually the easiest way if you're not used to podcasting. Uh, You can go to our Facebook page, which is SandyRios247, Alive and Well. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And in closing, one last thing. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn, Preborn, Preborn. I'm so grateful to have their sponsorship. You can go to preborn.com slash Sandy and make your most generous donation. And secondly, Christian Healthcare Ministries who provides great um, Financing for your medical needs. It's chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24 7.